In this place, and I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face, and I know they feel the presence. Of the Lord, sweet Holy Spirit, sweet Heavenly Dove, stay right here with us, filling us with Your love, and for all these blessings. Lift our hearts in praise Without a doubt we'll know That we have been revived When we shall leave this place Last week we were talking about the church and revival, the body of Christ. The dry bones come alive thing. Amen. Spirit of prophecy, love and power and victory. Judgment beginning in the household of God and igniting as a fire and expanding into all the regions of the world. Amen. I believe we're on the midst of that next great awakening, revival. And I am blessed to be alive during this time, even though it seems hard and peculiar and different and messed up. Which it is, but the world has always been messed up, apart from God. And we have come to many times like this in the history of the world, and the history of the church the last 2,000 almost years. And I really believe that it's going to be very soon that we're going to begin to experience some of these wonderful things that the Bible talks about and what the prophets are talking about. But the Lord was pressing and pressing upon me this week how in order to, to rise up, which is going to require the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, of course, He's the source of everything that will be of God. But we need to be operating in faith. He's the one that was sent to be our helper, not to be our doer. To come alongside of us and take a hold together with, you see. So we have to learn how to walk in the victory. First to believe 
to really believe. I know we're all believers. You wouldn't be sitting here as you do when there's no valet parking and no ten-piece van and no child care and no gourmet coffee and 15-minute message guaranteed not to offend. Oh, I apologize. certainly is. Best coffee in the world. You know how I can tell when people really are filled with the victory and the power that true believing ignites in a person that kind of faith because it makes you mad at the devil. I have a minister friend who was preaching at a church one time and he was telling them they need to get mad at the devil and the pastor interrupted him and said, Brother, we don't even get mad at the devil around here. He said, That's why God sent me, I guess. There's your first mistake. We have emotions just like God. He gave us anger not to be mad at people. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. We're supposed to get mad at the devil. James 4, 7 says, first of all, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, there's a promise. We always talk about promises to latch on, stand on. And make your own. Well, there's one right there. James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That word there, resist, means to actively fight against. Against what? The devil. His schemes. Sickness. Poverty. Death in all its various forms. Oppression. Depression. Those are all the devil's schemes and tactics. We talked about the thought life. The battlefield being between the mind and how the enemy implants these seeds of negativism and and doubt and unbelief and worldview that is not of God. Try to build strongholds in the minds of people and, and believers even. And he has. Otherwise, elections wouldn't come out the way they do. If the church would come into agreement with God, this nation would change overnight. Amen. Or that what calls itself the church. That's why we need revival. Amen. And it's coming, folks. Romans 12.9 says, Let love be genuine, of course, but abhor what is evil. People don't understand. They can't separate the things that we think of as evil because God says that they're evil. They can't separate those things that they do from who they really are. They identify with those things. So when you hate the evil that they do, they think that you hate them. And as a true believer, your love is genuine for them. You hate that evil that they do because you love them. Not because you hate them. Because you hate the lie that Satan has perpetrated in their lives. Amen. Amen. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. 1 John 4.4 4 says, Greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But you have to choose to believe that. Do you believe that God is in you and with you and will never leave you or forsake you and that all the promises in this book, and we said there's some 8,000, that they're all yes and amen for you, that you are a child of God, that He has your picture in His wallet. Do you believe? Thomas was a good example from the Bible. He was one of the original 12. And in John chapter 20, Verses 24 through 29. I'm going to try not to go there for the sake of time. But in John chapter 20, you remember that when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to uh, the, the ten apart without Thomas. And we know there was one gone at that point. But he appeared to them and, and they told Thomas and he didn't believe him, did he? And what did he say? I will not believe. I w- he willed not to believe. You have to will. You have to choose. You have to decide not to believe. And he made a choice. I will not believe that Jesus was raised from the dead based on the testimony of these other ten apostles or based on the words of Jesus himself who had told them I, I, I every time I try to count I just get overwhelmed how many times he told them what was going to happen and then they were just so shocked and surprised when it did but they got it later <laughs> believe me but he chose not to believe but then what happened so a week later Jesus showed up where they all were again. And this time Thomas was there, wasn't he? And Jesus just showed up behind a locked door with them in the room. <laughs> and Jesus hadn't been there when Thomas said all those things. Remember? Nor had Jesus spoken to anyone since. In other words, nobody told, went and told Jesus. Thomas said he's not going to believe But Jesus knew everything that Thomas had said, didn't he? And when he was there, he said, Thomas, here, put your your hands in the prints of the nails on my hand. Here, touch my side where the spear went in my side. And he said, my Lord and my God. He was saved right then, wasn't he? Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Jesus said, you, he allowed him, he allowed him to touch and to see. And then he did believe, but then he rebuked him. He commanded him to change his ways, didn't he? Interesting. He commanded him to believe and not doubt. And so we have a choice to believe and not doubt. We can believe and receive all that God has for us. Or we can believe the ungodliness of the world. It's a choice. It is a choice. In John chapter 5, there was a man laying at the pool of 
Bethesda. Maybe I will turn over there. Starts in the first verse. After that, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which was has five roof colonnades, five, get it? And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the guy started making excuses. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. They believe that when the angels stirred the water up, the first one in there would be healed. And, and they were. But, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. The world system that we have, the belief system that the world has, the vain philosophy of men, will give you an excuse for anything you need one for, won't it? Matter of fact, They're trying to rule out any personal responsibility for anyone, for anything. Unless you're Christian conservative, of course. (laughs) They need a scientific reason for everything, too. And they'll give you one. They'll find... You could... You could tell them about every miracle that Jesus did and they'll look and they'll find, they'll either call it a lie or they'll find a scientific reason for it, including the Big Bang Theory and all that for all creation. Although there's never been order created out of chaos before. Nevertheless, if they can't find something, they'll make something up. James 4, 4, though, says, you adulterous people. This is Jesus talking. I mean, Jesus' brother, James. He said, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. How many people do you know that faithful churchgoers and They're on all the right committees and everything else, but they make it their number one goal to be the most popular mom on the soccer team. And and, uh, everybody wants to be loved, don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of... I usually just hammer on the preachers about being mealy-mouthed fence-setters, not the cheap, but there's a lot of Christians... And I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see me. Who's straddling that fence. 
And that's a dangerous place to be because I preach a message once in a while about how the fence belongs to the devil. Jesus, though, the Word of God, Jesus is the Word of God made flesh, is the only real truth, isn't He? And we can decide. It's our choice to believe God and stand on the Word of God or to go along with the world, which is much easier, by the way, just to say, oh, just let it go, just... Just ride the wave. Just just jump in on the broad, on the big highway with everybody else. The going is a little easier than that road less traveled, which is a little lonesome. Might have a few more potholes in it. Deuteronomy chapter thirty, verses nineteen and twenty. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days. That's a beautiful promise. Blessing and cursing. Blessing and cursing. <clears throat> you know how I tell you, when's the last time you stop and thought about what you're thinking about? Well, out of the abundance of the heart, or out of that thought life, the mouth speaks, doesn't it? Blessing or cursing? Blessing or cursing? You're creating with every word you speak. It's like spitting watermelon seeds. You're sowing some kind of seed every time you speak. And you're going to reap a harvest. You're creating your own future every day. With all your words. It starts right here between your ears. If you're born again, which is mandatory according to Jesus in John 3.3 3, when he was talking to Nicodemus. Then you're a new person, a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature, a new man, a new person. The old is past, the new has come. King James says, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You say, all things? This is where people get messed up because they don't understand spirit, soul, and body. They go look in the mirror and they say, well, I didn't get everything new. Or they might somehow in their mind, because most people live in their soulish realm, out of their emotions, out of their personality anyway. That's the part of them of our, that we do know. We're aware of our souls. You can't discern your spirit with your natural senses, though. And that's who you really are. You're a spirit, just like God, with a soul, a mind, a will, an emotion, a personality, same as Him. And you're just riding around in this vessel. 
But that new creation part, that new person part, is what people don't understand. And even when they hear it, they might even know the scripture and be able to quote it, but they don't, you know, we're supposed to meditate on this word. That word meditate, they use in the Bible, is sort of like chewing the cud, which is kind of gross, I know, but, you know, get everything out of it. When I was, when I was first getting to know the Lord in the first few weeks, after I thought when I I was a Christian my whole life, but then this when I really became a Christian, <laughs> and I was like, oh God, it scared me a little. It scared me a lot because I thought I had been a Christian, and when I realized. All the times which I should have died, I wouldn't have gone to heaven. That the only Lord spared me. Uh, it scared me. It scared me for everybody else too. But right in the first few days after my real conversion, I still had some problems. You know, there was things in my life I. You know, lived a life of, apart from God for all my life. And I had created a lot of problems. Opened a lot of doors for the devil. And I just thought that, well, I wanted it all to be fixed overnight. <laughs> I wanted God just to take all that nonsense away and fix it. But, you know, you know that old story. You made your bed, you got to lie in it for a little while. You know, the... Uh, it took a while for God to work in all those situations. I'll put it like that. Not that He wanted me to have to suffer, but He He didn't create the mess. And even while repairing our messes, He's still working with other people, you see? And they've got a free will. So God's working in all directions at all times. It's amazing. I don't know. If he was like us, he'd be bald-headed like me because he'd pull all his hair out by now. But he's not worried about anything. But I, Tavana and I, I think we had some kind of big flare-up in our house or something in here, and I thought everything was supposed to be beautiful and Christian love and life now. And Anyway, and I was just discouraged and disheartened and upset about it, and I was talking to this minister who had been working with me, and he was kind of an old country guy like me. And he said, well, well, he said, you know, when, uh, you ever had a skunk under your house? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he said, well, I, but I think at the time I went, uh, you know, I just played along. Like, yeah. He goes, well, you know how when you get that skunk out, you got to go get it out. And he goes, kill it or whatever. And it's gone. He goes, but that smell might come back around from time to time for a while. He said, that skunk is gone. It's dead. But the smell might come back for a little while from time to time. And that's how he described the situation, our conversion in, in this new life. And the fact that, yeah, it's true. Everything is new. And, but you get it. The next day... 
I had gone to one of our businesses, Tavon and I were working together all day, and then we went to a grocery store. It was Kroger's and, and Tomball before we went, came back home to Cypress. And she was just a little ahead of me, and I grabbed the basket, and I was coming up behind her, and we pushed back toward the back aisle of the grocery store. And I had this grocery basket, and I'm pushing in my phone rang. And it was my stepdad, and and he's laughing. He asked me, how you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. And he says, well, how's your skunk doing? And I hadn't talked to them in a while. They didn't even know that Tavana and I had, you know, that I had had this encounter with the Lord and and that uh, changed everything. And, uh, and I said, excuse me? And he's laughing. He said, I, well, your mom wants to know how your skunk is doing. <laughs> she had a dream last night. And you were a little boy. And you were pushing the grocery basket. And you had a skunk in that basket. And here I am pushing this grocery cart. And I looked down and it was empty. And I said, you tell her that skunk is dead and gone. And and, And he said... Huh? He goes, no. And he, he, I done ruined his joke, you see. He, he, he goes, no, you see, your mama had, I said, I heard exactly what you said. And you tell mama, that skunk is dead and gone in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'll talk to you later. I'm like, All right. And right there in that Kroger's grocery store, that was a God moment in my life. That was God who did that. God gave that dream to my mama. God had that preacher tell me that, you know, and for those things to match up like that, and I mean, it, I can't even tell you the personal everything else. I mean, you you see what it meant, but at the same time, it meant even more to me all the way the fact that I was a little boy in the grocery cart, everything had something to do with something. And it was the whole life, the, everything was gone. All of the things that came with me in this life and all the things that I had picked up along the way. The old man was gone. The old life was gone. I was a new creation in Christ. And God went to all that trouble to show me in such an interesting and sweet and personal way, I was blown away that God loved me that much to show me that in that way. So if we're born again, we are a new creation. And you know the new man inside of you is perfect. Oh, nobody's perfect. I, I know what you're going to say. Yes, it is. Is Jesus perfect? Yes, he is. A new man inside of you is perfect. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. Colossians 3.10 says... If you've been renewed, that you have been renewed in knowledge, 
after the image of Him who created you. So you have the mind of Christ. You've been renewed in knowledge after the image of Him who created you. So you have the mind of Christ. Again, that's what it's saying, just in a different way. You have the knowledge of Christ. Christ's knowledge in you. But it's not in your brain. It's not up here, is it? Because that's where we lose everybody. Oh, well, then I guess I didn't get saved. Oh, that's a bunch of nonsense. Oh, or they just pretend and play along and just move on past that. Read it, you know, some things you just learn to read over. Like Leviticus. (laughs) You shouldn't, though. It's all there. It's all very worthwhile. But it's not in your little pea brain. It's in your spirit. It's in your spirit. That's where you've been renewed. That one third of your salvation is already complete, perfect, perfected, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. One third of you is done just like it's going to be for all eternity. The very mind of Christ is in you, in that born again spirit. 1 John 2.28 says, You have an unction from the Holy Ghost, and you know all things. Oh my God, now see, here you go again. So there's three witnesses right there. On the testimony of two or three witnesses, every word in this Bible will be established. There you go. Oh, you have an unction from the Holy Ghost, and you know all things. Again, folks, this is, he's talking about in your spirit. Remember how I told you, you need to learn how to separate the Word of God Because sometimes they're talking to your flesh. Sometimes they're talking to your soulish realm. Sometimes they're talking about and to your spirit. And you need to understand the the difference that you are a three-part being so that you will be able to rightly divide the Word of God and understand it. So that it can help you. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Or earthen vessels. That's this body that you're walking around. This vehicle that God gave you to go through this life in. The thing that we seem to be most aware of. (laughs) He put this treasure. This mind of Christ. This knowledge of God. This kingdom of God. Into this earthen vessel. This jar of clay. To show the surpassing power. Belongs to God. And not to us. Amen. But do you believe it? What do you believe? Believe me. This came to me first. This is a good test. Bible says examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. So the point of this question, what do you believe is, do you believe the natural carnal brain with the doubts that you have? Is that who you believe you are? Because that's the you that caused Jesus to have to come to earth and die on the cross. The ones who doubted God's truth, God's word, God's faithfulness. It went all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's why we were in this condition. 
this fallen, corrupted state. Because just like the devil offered Jesus when he came from 40 days out in fasting after he'd been baptized and he was tired, he was hungry, he was alone and the devil came and tempted him just like he will you when you're tired and hungry and alone and just worn out. And he offered him things that God had already promised him. But he... Offered it to him now, you see. That's how we all want everything. So if we, if you're against that option that I just gave you, believing that you are this unbelieving, doubting Thomas, the option is to believe that you are the born again in the Spirit, Righteous, holy, pure person that God has created you to be. You have the mind of Christ and you know all things. I recently ministered a message called, Who Do You Say He Is? Talking about Jesus. But now we have to ask, Who do we say we are? Who do you say you are? If you're a new creation in Christ, then you're a hypocrite to go on speaking like the world. If you feel like a hypocrite when you speak the word of God, then you really still identify with the physical, emotional you, not the spiritual you. And you have an identity crisis. The Lord told Thomas not to be faithless, but believing. Jesus told him the greater blessing is on the one who believes the word of God and doesn't have to see with their own eyes. Amen. This is something that's very important to God. And I can tell you, and he put it in the Bible that after he was resurrected from the dead, that the... the, the the Bible study, the, the lovely, beautiful Bible study that Jesus had with those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You know the story. Where he he was, they couldn't see who he was in the natural. He concealed that from them. But he walked with them and they were dejected and he he asked them why. And they're like, like, where have you been, dude? Under a rock? Haven't you heard about Jesus? You know, he was supposed to be it. The deliverer. He was the one who was going to come and set Israel free. And, you know, provide the great military and victory and all these things. You know, they thought they were looking for a natural savior. And then they were dejected because everything he said was going to happen to him happened to him. They didn't get it. They didn't understand spiritual things. And he had become to provide an eternal salvation for them. Not a temporal one. And he began to reveal himself to them through the scriptures. Starting with Moses. Starting with the, the first five books of the Bible. Which was the, 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 the uh, Pentateuch or whatever. 
from the from the Hebrews and then and the prophets. So he went all the way through there. That was the old the old Bible, as it were, right? The old covenant. So he went through the showed him revealed himself how these Old Testament everything in there was hidden in type and shadow of the picture of him and what he was going to be and do and how it had all been accomplished through him. Jesus was really patient with me. You know, I asked, Lord, why did you do that? Why didn't you just reveal yourself to them? Say, hey, ta-da, it's me. Save yourself a six-mile walk and all that Bible study. But I just—I was really curious why. And he said, because that that word was going to be with them and is with with all of you forever. I, I'm not going to always be standing there. That's why you called to a life of faith. You need to believe the word over over everything else. Even if an angel comes to you and tells you a different story than what is written in this book, you rebuke him and you believe the word. Amen. Amen. The Lord was really patient with me when I was a baby Christian in these things while he was trying to help me to, to walk in faith. And he revealed himself to me in some very personal ways. He, he was just helping me to get established in the faith. And he was very patient and generous to me. And I'm eternally grateful for that. I, I, I've heard his audible voice tell me that I'm his child and that he's pleased. That, that is amazing to me. I've seen him. I've walked with him. He's in dreams. He has come to me and showed me things and told me things and, and revealed himself in other ways, just like the, the story I just told you and things like that. And that's wonderful. That is wonderful. But he doesn't really, that's not his best for us. I mean, when we get it, we, yeah, that's awesome. And I hope to get more of it. But what he really thinks is better is if you just believe this. With the help of the Holy Spirit, which you should always be asking to read it with you, to help you to understand it, to give you revelation knowledge. That's why you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You need to pray in the Spirit. And then you even need to ask, don't let my mind be unfruitful. Help me have revelation of what I'm praying, Lord. And man, wonderful things begin to happen. But Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith it's impossible to please God. We need to get to that place where if God said it, that settles it. We shouldn't need a goosebump or a boatload of fish to prove to us that it's God. I've known people that started out in the Word... Very strongly. And then they went somewhere and they saw a miracle, a healing, or they got a word and they set this aside and now that's what they rely upon. And they're going in search of the next, the next time the hair stands up on their arms, you see? And that's all fine and good. I mean, I, to me, if that's, 
if, 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 if that gets you out of the bar and that's the kind of entertainment you like, it's, you know, a great Christian band or to go and, and hear prophecies and see, but don't, don't think that's the only thing. You know, you have the same God right there inside of you, right here in the pages of this book. The one standing beside you that's come alongside to help you, you you are still in the care of the innkeeper, folks. That's the Holy Ghost. The Word of God is the power of God. But the Bible here is just an accurate depiction of God's Word. I could tear this thing up. Throw it away. I remember one time we were trying to wake Martin up and he lived up in the loft at the time and he wouldn't listen to his mama and finally I threw something up there over the rail. This was back <laughs> when I was a little when my Bible says let your gentleness be known to all men. I, I wasn't like that then. <laughs> and all I hear was crash, boom, bang. <laughs> And then we hear, you knocked my Bible off the end table. I said, good. Probably knocked the dust off of it. <laughs> but this is just, this is just words on a page until you get it in your heart and mix it with faith. And speak it out and let it proceed to accomplish the will of God. He said, my word will not return void. Well, you need to be speaking the word of God over your life, over your situations, over your circumstances. That's what you called to do. That's what a victorious, intelligent Christian would do. Because... We are not supposed to be helpless and hopeless. We have the kingdom of God on our side. The armies of God. Just like Elijah when he walked out of that, that tent. And that his servant walked out and said, Oh no, we're surrounded by a big army. What are we going to do? He said, Ah, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. I'm convinced that Elijah himself didn't see. I don't think he saw the army of God out there. I think he just knew because of the scriptures. I think he was just that confident in God. But God did open the eyes of that boy. And he saw the army that had them surrounded. Surrounded by the army of God. And chariots of fire. And oh wow. What a confidence builder that would be. You know that's how it is all the time though with you. But when we, when we speak fears and doubts and all the things that we are so prone to, the negative, we're actually giving reinforcements to the army of the devil. We're empowering them. We're giving them legal right. Legal right. You're the one that has the authority, not the devil. And he's tricked you into using your authority to give him power. And ability to work in your life and those around you. And if you ever truly believe that, it will change you. It will change the way you talk. It will change the way you think. It will change the way you feel about your relationship with Jesus and, and this word. You know, there's a difference in 
having a prayer life, which is a good thing, and living a life of prayer. I don't, I don't, I don't have too many minutes in the day that I don't, I'm not thinking in the Word, thinking of something. Everything runs through the filter of God's Word with me. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect at it in any sense. Well, you just said you're perfect. Yeah, I am perfect in my born-again spirit, but this this soulish realm is all screwed up. Just like yours. (laughs) It's gotten a lot better, I tell you. And with God's patience and love and grace and mercy, it's going to get better and better and better until the day I see Him. Then, then I will know all things. In my soulish realm, you see. You see what I'm saying? You have to understand what we're talking about. I'll switch from talking about the Spirit to the soul. That, this is the part of us that's being renewed. This is the part of us that Paul was talking about in Romans 12 when he, he says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God. In other words, because of everything God has done for us, put, make our lives a living sacrifice. Let our minds be renewed according to the washing of the water of the word. Don't, don't be conformed to the image of this world. Which is easy to do. All you have to do is let let enough of this world go in these eye and ear gates. And it will change you. Be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And that doesn't just mean who you hang around with. It means whatever goes in these eye and ear gates. That's the company you're keeping. And that will corrupt good character. It's the same thing as this Bible. You put enough of this in here. You have a real relationship with this Bible. Now, now I'm not talking about doing it as a legal thing. You're not anything to try and earn acceptance from God. You already accept it in the Beloved. He already loves you. He's already paid for all your sin, past, present, and future. Nothing you can do to change His mind. And there's nothing anyone can do to snatch you from His hand. You are... That, of that hidden place in Him is available to you anytime you want to run to your Father. And you can just live as carnal as you, as you want to and let the devil come in and eat your lunch and pop the bag. You're not going to change God's love for you. But the more you get this in, the more effortless change that will take place in your life. And I know it for a fact. I'm, 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 I'm looking at evidence right, right here in this room, folks. All over the place. But I'm just telling you. It's a wonderful thing. God is good. And He loves us. But He's not going to force Himself on us. And I just. I just. As closing today. I just ask. That you just. Begin to pray. For revelation. Of all this. Revelation. Knowledge. Lord help me. Give me understanding. Don't let this. Go from me. Until it becomes part of me. Until I understand it. Until I know. Who I see myself as. Until I don't see myself as the world sees me or as I used to see me anymore. I'm not just this carnal, fleshy mind and emotions. I have a part of me that knows you perfectly. That is always filled with love, joy, and peace. And I can draw upon those things. I just need to learn how to cultivate that relationship with you, that presence, to practice your presence, and to get the Word of God in me, because the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is going to remind you of everything that I have said. Now, how is He going to remind you of something that you've never 
<laughs> you, know, you ever had somebody, oh, I needed to remind you about something. What do you mean remind me? You never told me to start with. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing with the Word. The Holy Spirit, He wants to remind you of everything Jesus has said, but if you, don't, if you never heard what Jesus said, you get it? You know, only a couple of times Jesus said that he saw great faith. And neither one of them were Jews. One was the centurion. One was a housewife and one was a, a Roman centurion soldier. And that centurion soldier, Jesus was blown away because he understood the authority of the word that Jesus spoke. Jesus said, I'll come to your house and heal your servant. He said, you don't have to come to my house. He goes, I'm a man under authority. In other words, he had a hundred men under his control. And he knew if he told them to do something, they didn't do it, they'd die. That's how the Roman army was, right? He understood that, that, that structure. And he saw that somehow in, this, in a spiritual sense. Which blew Jesus away. And he said, no, I, I'm a man. I, I give orders. I understand authority. He goes, you just say the word and it'll be done. And Jesus said, wow, it's done. I have never seen such great faith. Jesus called that great faith. And that's how we need to believe. That's why Jesus said, if you don't become like little children. Because that's how they believe. My daddy can do anything. My daddy, Superman. That's how you need to think of it. Miracles still do happen. You know, I hear I hear testimonies all the time, and that's why I tell people that tell me, "Oh man, I've I've lived this long, well, I've made my bed, and I don't lie, and I I never did go to church and all that." I'm like, yes, that might be a good thing, you know, because I know plenty of people my age and older that grew up in sort of denominational settings, and I'm not against anyone. God can save you in spite of your situation, circumstances, and setting. If you really want him, he will find you. But oh, Andrew Womack is a good example. And he tells it and he, he loves the Baptist. He grew up as a Baptist. He got saved in the Baptist church. But he also says that they were taught that miracles didn't happen anymore. That, and that the tongues was of the devil or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. None of that stuff happened. That was all died out with the original apostles. You see? And because of that, they didn't see those things in their church. And they didn't talk about them. And they didn't accept anybody that did. And that's why he got kicked out. When he got really... <laughs> when he really had an encounter with God. And see, but had that not happened, you know, he never would have seen his son come back to life after being dead in the morgue for five hours with the toe tag on, you know? They would have never been seeing like, the, like they're seeing all over the country in, in all the settings where we have conferences and stuff like that. Blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, people with uh, people, people that are born with, with defects that people say you just have to embrace that. That's just a special person. You, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to stay that way. You know, 
But it's hard. How many, you know, this raising from the dead power that you have on the inside of you? You say, well, I don't have that. Well, when did the last time you tried? (laughs) Probably about as many times as I have. I'm just being honest now. How come I don't clear out every funeral I go to? Because I'm scared. Andrew... Picking on Andrew today for some reason. It's because I've been on conference calls, these Zoom meetings. Oh. But one time, there was a guy. I'm looking at Miss Cheryl here. I'm looking, there was a guy in one of his meetings in a wheelchair. And, and it was on his mind the whole time. And he went <laughs> at the end. He just went over there. And he was visiting with the man, and he told him, you know, talked to him a little bit about his situation, and he just he just grabbed him by the hand. He says, "Rise up and walk!" And he yanked him up out of that chair, and the man fell right down on the floor right there. And he had to end up picking him up and putting him back in there, and it hurt the guy a little bit. And I mean, it was it was very very embarrassing. And he left after a while, prayed for him, and just basically left telling him just. You know, be warm and be filled, but <laughs> you didn't get healed. How many of us would do it again after that? I'm just saying, the truth is we're just scratching the surface of the power that is within us. The scripture says so. And some of us have witnessed these things and you can't unscramble those eggs. Amen. Amen. This is how the kingdom of God operates though. And our words matter. So we can just practice. We can start with smaller things, okay? But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So careful what you're putting into your mind, what you're meditating on. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why I'm asking you, who do you say you are? Are you the old carnal, natural man with just, I'm just a man. Why me, Lord? Or, I'm a child of God. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. By Jesus' stripes I was healed. If I was healed, I remain healed. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No weapon formed against me will prosper. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Amen. You know, Don told me he was up at 3.30 in the morning. The Lord called him to pray. I said, you should have called me because I was probably, I was probably calling your name out, uh, out loud. Every one of you, I did that about that time in the morning last night. I couldn't sleep either. And when I don't hear God calling me to come and pray or something, I, I just I blame it on the devil. And when I get mad at the devil, I start praising God. And I start praying for you guys. And I pray for you by name, each and every one of you. And I pray specific things. And I hear things. And I tell. And the, and the more I can't sleep, the more I, the louder I'll praise God. Until the devil gets so sick of it, he just runs off and lets me sleep. Or whatever he's trying to do. Praise God. Lord, thank you for this day and for your love and mercy and grace. Thank you for teaching us, for showing us the truth of our salvation. Who we are in Christ and what we have. 
Lord, we understand that we are with our pea brains. We're just scratching the surface of the things that you have for us and want for us. But Lord, thank you that you're not teaching us these things to condemn us. There's nothing that's going to change how much you love us and how much you care for us. And you're always going to provide and, and, and be there for us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. But Lord, thank you for showing us that if we want it, if we'll agree with you, there's a lot more that you have for us. That there's wonderful things that you want to show us and use us to do and to accomplish for ourselves, for our families, for others around us, and for the kingdom of God. And Lord, we just want to be used by you. We accept the challenge. We just say, help us, lead us, and guide us. And, and Lord, I believe that you're saying, well, just give me opportunity. You've got to come and talk to me. You've got to ask me. You've got to let me have some time with you if you want me to lead you and guide you into the things that you're asking and claiming that you want. Okay, we see that. We have a part to play. So help us, Lord. Help us to agree with you and to see that there is nothing wasted that's done for you. No time wasted that is spent with you. No matter what the world says or what the enemy whispers in our ear, Lord, no matter how busy our days get, Lord, and we say we just don't have time like some of these preachers sit around and just pray all day. Lord, it's not a waste of time. Let us be like some of the old time preachers and evangelists that I have so much to do today that if I don't spend four hours with the Lord in the morning first, I'll never get it all done. That's more like it. That's the place we want to get to, Lord, where we understand that you can take, you not subject to time, you created time, you can take the time that we do have and get more done with it than we could have in the eight or ten hours we would have spent trying to get something you'll help us get done in an hour. Let us see that and embrace it, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for helping us. And grow in us. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.